Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Varney and A true American original, Mike and Eglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. There are so many good reasons for me to be choking back rage. But it's just sports. Mm. And I'm still mad, even though it's the second time we've done this. <laughs> Quarantine work makes the dream work. <laughs> you got it in this time. Congratulations. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me, I'm Keith. I discuss David e. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice, with my buddy Mike. Uh, that's Mike. <laughs> that's Mike. There we go. I am here. Uh, This week, we are up to Season 7, Episode 18, Capital Crimes. I'm excited to talk about that episode, this episode, but I'm also excited to catch up with uh, our world-traveling Mike. I haven't heard any of the stories. I don't know what happened about anything. Mike, you went on a globetrotting trip throughout South America, uh, and I'd like to know how'd it go. Well... You know, there were ups, there were downs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things. I'll give you the highlights, the lowlights, and everything in between here. If yeah, you are yeah. uninterested in this, which is, uh, I don't blame you, go ahead and just uh, skip forward. We've got mm-hmm. the show, we, we link to the actual episode uh, in the notes, so you can ignore all this, Michigas. But anyway, I was supposed to go on a four-day, real quick, jump-on, jump-off cruise, one show, 145 minutes, and then come on home. It didn't turn out that way. We were on a very lovely line. The boat, they were very nice. We jumped on the boat in um, Cartagena, which is was beautiful. We had an overnight there, and my, uh, some of my castmates, one of which I was meeting for the first time, went and had a lovely dinner in Colombia. Beautiful meat they have there. It was very tasty. So cheap. <laughs> so cheap. I had like... Top shelf liquor, this beautiful steak, all this stuff. I was ready to drop a hundred dollars. Keith, you know how much it was? I thought I thought I had spent about a hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, and how much on this did like you spend? beautiful meal? Yeah, great yeah, memory. It was eighteen dollars. What? It was eighteen dollars American. Now, did they give you a deal because you nope, were? It's just really cheap. Wow. Colombia, go for the drugs, stay for the cheap food. Yeah, yeah, the, the the drugs are expensive, but the food is cheap. So anyway, we get on the ship. Uh, it is, you know, the cruise line, the cruise industry. I will say this, though, they are getting like hammered by the CDC, which is understandable. I mean, they are generally floating sort of exchanges of petri dishes. Yes, they've really stepped up their game as far as san- sanitation. I mean, there are pe- poor people whose job is to make sure that literally every person that walks into the food, the Lido deck, as they call it, washes their hands. I mean. They watch you wash your hands. Every person, every time, there is, they're handing out KN95 masks, they're 
doing their best to enforce wearing them. They're doing the, the best they can. So I, 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 yeah. relative, I feel safe with their, their measures. But at the end of the day, safety in, in, this, in this environment comes down to people and compliance. And let me just say, I heard more than one person. So they're testing every, every staff person every day, but they mm -hmm. cannot keep up that type of testing with the passengers. So it's really just if you're having symptoms or something and you call medical, they send up a hazmat suit and they do all the testing. So more than one person I overheard on a FaceTime call or I saw texting they're like, yeah, we've got, I'm, I've got COVID. I'm feeling it, or blah, 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 blah. But don't worry, I haven't said anything. Like they're getting away with something. I mean, oh my God. not just one person, Keith. So I, so I, literally wore a KN95 mask for all but about 45 minutes for a week. Yeah. Anyway, so that, smart. We, we go on to perform the first night. It went, you know, it goes okay. Sometimes these gigs are tough because you go sing your brains out. And I'm singing really high, hard things, and uh, you know, 12 people show up or whatever. So, forget that aside. We're supposed to. We get through it. It's fine. Uh, we're we're going pulling into Jamaica. I'm gonna jump off in Jamaica and fly home. Yeah. Jamaica says, "Hell no, you cannot come here," which yep. was something I had didn't even really consider was an op an, a thing that could happen. So we we were literally trapped. So. We were stuck on the ship. Then they asked us to do another show since, you know, you guys are around. And I was like, every, and all the guys were like, yeah, sure. And then I had to be the grown up who was like, yeah, but here's the thing. I agreed to do one show for this much money. And now I have to stay on the ship for two extra days and do a whole nother show. That's unfortunately, I can't just say yes. Right. So it was a whole thing, which it was a whole thing. But finally, we got it worked out. We did another show. So then they rebook us our flights. Um, Saturday, three days later, out of Fort Lauderdale because, oh, and this is after being tested every day. And the, usually, you know, I'm vaxxed and boosted and all. I've been doing my compliance, but they, if you, if you catch it, they kick you off the boat. I mean, you are, wherever you're at, you go away, right? So every test, I wish I could show you my watch because like the, my heart rate would, it was just like the stress, the stress was oh. killing me. And oh you know what stress God. does your voice, Keith? I don't know if you ever tried to sing. Oh, it does great. It really out. helps. Really helps um, when you're uh, stressed. This out, was yeah. not my greatest vocal performance. I can tell you that, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I passed this gauntlet of tests, and then we get to Florida finally, and Florida's like, "Nah, we don't even need a test. Come on in." So uh, Florida doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Florida will will just like, "Come on in, lick us, lick us with your COVID." But because we didn't get off, we didn't get on the ship during a regular embarkation. They kicked us off the ship at 6 a.m. through this like special customs. So now I'm just like in Fort Lauderdale at 6 a.m. The flight they give me doesn't leave until 11 p.m. 11 p.m. And I told them, I was like, guys, I had to be home three days ago. Now you're making me 11 p.m. flight into Newark and then I got to travel to Philadelphia. I was like, hell no. Long story short, I just was like, you know what? F it. I booked my own flight home. I paid the money that I got paid to just fly home. I get home and I find out after dodging the gauntlet, of Wait for a it. Thousand, Wait for it. A thousand people mm -hmm. on uh, a ship. Five tests. Six, which, eight which tests. The night, the night you left for that ship, the CDC announced you shouldn't go on any cruise yeah. ships. Yeah, it, it was a whole thing. Um, I texted you at like midnight. There was a booger on my wall next to the bed, so I ended up like moving my bed across. I mean, every, it was just not the thing I wanted to be doing. 
Mm-hmm. I get in the car. CEO Jen has an ND5 KN95 mask on, and she's she's got the variant. So I, <laughs> I dodged all the bullets to get into the car with the virus. She's uh, luckily only mildly symptomatic. Uh, she can't. Her face is just all snot, and she cannot breathe. But I mean, I'll take that. If that's what I'm going to get, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's yes. I that is uh, that is an unbelievable uh, story here. So uh, wow. Oh, oh, That's, I didn't uh, even, wait. So and as I'm getting off the ship, I find out that the other group of four guys that were on the other ship, one of those guys tests positive. He's out, course. and now it's like the whole next couple weeks of gigs, and they're like, "Can you cover this guy in Florida?" And I'm like, uh, "No, I think I think I need to just be here now." And I should, yeah. I mean, following guidelines, I believe I've been traveling international, so I should probably just stay in my house for the next five to six days. Yes. Yeah. No, that, I mean, well, uh, you have a close contact. Hello. True. Oh, my you, nephew. You, yeah. I mean, you it's live just... with somebody who actively has COVID at the moment. So yeah, right. you need to be quarantining, sir. Mm-hmm. But luckily for Don't worry. The, you... speaker, the speaker of the podcast is, uh, as CEO Jen is down for the count right now, the speaker of the podcast will be... Uh, in the chamber in, in in case we need a new president. Sorry, that was that. a that was like a polit I was trying to do like a political thing, like joke analogy, but oh, didn't really Oh I see. I I see. All right, right. So you the if she uh, can't you're... fulfill her duties right now while she's in okay, quarantine watching all, right. all of the so, Marvel Marvel movies very loudly in the other room. So who is the um, who's the designated survivor for the podcast? That's what Charlie. I'd like to know. I think it's Charlie. Charlie. Charlie is the designated survivor on the podcast. Which brings me to Another thing to fill everybody in on. I know it's been ripped. People have we been. We have tried for years yes, yep. to make this I was with you. podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it wants. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow. It should be noted my cats didn't give a shit that I was gone, and they sure as hell didn't care that I came back. Uh, Par for the course for cats, but I did want to right. give an update. You might recall a few weeks back, I gave a ba- a, a, a a farewell to Fishy, who was really down mm-hmm. for the count. Folks, mm-hmm. that fish made a one hundred percent complete recovery. Amazing! Well, I, you said you made it your business to keep that fish alive, and he, all he needed. Well, I, I I did a little beta fish, ladies and germs, really want to be in water that is seventy six to eighty two degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, oh. Most people think they can just throw them in tap water, and that's the best way. They're hardy, so they're okay. But he was—he was like sixty-eight to seventy here, so he was basically frozen to death, I think. And so I just warmed oh. him up slowly, and uh, Bing, bang, boom—he's feeling good. It's so, fine. Uh, we we uh, we we did it. Well, there it is, folks. Keep <laughs> your beta fish warm, guys. Twelve minutes in, we haven't even discussed anything of pertinence. Well, we no, no, no. Look, I'm sure everyone was wondering what was going on with your crazy ship adventure. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've now I was like, you know what? I need to turn on this other light. And then it's, it's turned on so crazy. So I. Uh, but there are people just on these cruise ships, just like beached whales, just like no, no fear. Just they just don't give a shit. And there were children, Keith. There were vaccinated children on this boat. And it's. Uh, it's it's something, man. I don't know. I, I understand live your life. Don't get me wrong. But like, 
you know, and I feel bad for, I don't feel bad. I'm of very conflicting minds. I've made a handsome amount of money from the cruise industry, so I don't want to be a hypocrite in bashing it. But, right. you know, like, even in the best of times, uh, they're just floating garbage disposals in the uh, in the middle of the ocean, just, like, actively destroying the world. So I don't want to, like, champion them. I, I will give them credit for being the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? when you are impugned with a ton of restriction and regulation. Well, that's the, of, of all the industries. I mean, what's funny is that they're, they're so regulated as far as their COVID protocols and diligent. I have to say, every ship I've been on during COVID has really been, has, I've felt safe aboard them. However, you then get on a plane going into an airport across the country, uh, Philadelphia, yeah, I was at JFK, I was in uh, Fort Lauderdale. It's just... People snacking, coughing, hacking. Clearly, COVID's every it's everywhere. And I was on yeah. three packed flights. I mean, not a seat to be seen. So, you know, to then that for them to be like, oh yeah, don't get on a cruise. I'm like, well, yeah, but don't go anywhere. Like, don't get on right. a plane. If you got any sense, do not get on a plane. Do not do it. Don't even go yeah. near the airport. It is it is hellscapes. Of sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. This episode brought to you by... Uh, Mike's the, Travel Report. The TSA. Do uh, you want to die? <laughs> go and fly. Yes, exactly. Hop on to uh, Delta Airlines now serving Gorbachev. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Gorbachev. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. All right. Let us... That has, You know, honestly, I've been like, genuinely fascinated and wanted to hear about all of that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. But Jen I'm has sure... Now, Jen has now caught every variant of COVID. It's it's impressive. She's and really... Not... Uh, she's a completist. You know, mm -hmm. as a collector, I understand you want every possible variant. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely... Uh, there it is. So, poor Jen. Uh, glad she's doing okay. Well, folks, uh, I bet there's a few of you out there who are also very happy for us to move on to a segment called Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Mike, if people would like to write in uh, their own travel reviews, their own pandemic travel reviews, how would they do that? Well, uh, you'd think uh, this was a pandemic travel podcast, but it's not. But we'd still mm. like to hear about it. In fact, we are just so desperate for communication and human contact. Uh, write us about anything. And you can do so at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Mm. Don't uh, want to write an email because it's too much. Ta it's too taxing on the fingies? That's fine. Go ahead and just use your thumbs to tap us out on Instagram or a Facebook message at outofpracticepodcast. You can do that any time of the day. Keith and I don't sleep because of... Uh, sheer anxiety. Oh, wow. I, I feel like we're, we're getting a real window into Mike's head this episode, which is I mean, every episode is that way. But like right now, Mike's, he's been on a thousand flights. He's been all over the world. He's oh, here, I have he's an existential crisis because I, I pre-committed uh, because a friend of mine got COVID and I promised him so that I would take his spot. And I have to go two shows uh, two weeks from now. 22nd and 23rd in at a, on a Shady Pines tour, which is basically the Florida rest homes. I got to do two shows uh, during this this wave uh, in Florida for old people, and it's against everything I believe. And I'm really having a uh, a time about it. Yeah. Well, are they are they giving you enough money to not care about your feelings, or 
well, enough money is is changing every day. Like I have a job. <laughs> I make enough money. I, I don't need to be doing, and I, I'm not really fulfilled creatively anymore by this. So uh, the answer would probably be no. But I'm doing it for a buddy to help him. So I'm going to do that. Is this becoming a career intervention here for for Mike here? This is a um. It used to be fun. It's no longer fun. So I, I think I think this Florida. I, you hear it heard, heard it here first, folks. This Florida uh, Shady Pines situation might be uh, my swan song. Fair enough. Uh, you know of Shady Pine uh, gigs. All right. Well, uh, what are we doing? Oh, filings and subpoenas. So uh, we heard from our good friend and moderator Phoenix Cage, who uh, has some interesting trivia about last week's episode. Um, now, if you remember, we had our uh, introduction of uh, Bobby's ex coming in, who we talked about uh, was previously cast as Bridget Fonda. And then uh, she was unable to do it because of a car accident. So Phoenix says, Keith beat me to the same piece of trivia that I discovered, that Bridget Fonda was cast as Sarah, but flipped her car on the day of shooting. However... I also dug a bit deeper to learn and that even uh, to learn that even though her injuries were minor, at least as back injuries go, she never acted again. Hmm. Um, and actually she she did fracture a vertebrae. Uh, he continues that that fact feels slightly ironic given that despite being a quadriplegic, Christopher Reeves was acting in that episode. Of course, I don't know if the injury is what sidelined her. Uh, or if the accident just made her reevaluate her priorities. Priorities. I'm just pointing out arbitrary connections because it's a thing to do, much like podcasting. Uh, but yeah, it's. It, I I did not when I read that. I was like, that can't possibly be true, Phoenix. And it is. Uh, she she retired from acting uh, right then, and I don't know if that was. Uh, the cause or not she you know the the story what she said was that she was retiring from acting to start a family with her husband danny elfman composer danny elfman um but uh yeah so it's very uh very interesting also of note if you go down the bridget fonda rabbit hole she was offered the part of ally mcbeal huh Interesting. Uh, and uh, and turned it down without reading it because she knew she would probably like it and didn't want to get into television. So a uh, lot of interesting historical connections there. But David E. Kelly clearly filed it away. Like, I do want to work with Bridget Fonda and probably wrote this part for her. Um, so, uh, yeah, really interesting little piece of, piece of trivia. Thank you very much. Phoenix Cage. All right, Mike. Anybody else? In filings and subpoena? That's what I got. That's what I got today. All right. Well, then I think it's, um, before we move on, I think that um, it might be uh, just an appropriate time to say that between last episode and this episode, we had a trio of television uh, sort of mainstays, for me at least, uh, not, not just television, entertainment, yeah. uh, pass away. Sidney Poitier, I think, number one should go as just, I think, an, just a, an artist who had to overcome so much in order to just practice his craft. So hats off to Sidney Poitier. Uh, Betty White, who was a television right. television icon uh, and also a humanitarian icon, I should say, an animal lover and, and has done so much. But also, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a guest star with a, a bit of a run on Boston Legal. So, Oh, yeah, 
we might see a little Betty at some point in the David E. Kelly world. So connected to the to the universe we're in. And then just last night, uh, news of Bob Saget, who, yeah. uh, who you know, there's a lot of rumors about Bob Saget, but it turns out actually, from what I understand, is a pretty pretty good human being. From people I know who have who know him, uh, knew mm-hmm. him personally, pretty a pretty good guy, uh, really funny guy, and just a seminal presence in my life. I mean. Yeah. Full House, uh, one of my top five favorite just media consumption things I've ever done, and also America's Funniest Home Videos. I mean, Bob Saget hosted YouTube before YouTube. That's right. Yeah, he sure did. And uh, a, a director and and a just a, a, a tough trio. I'm sure many, you know it's a time of loss for a lot of people. I just want to point those out because they are uh, in the universe with yeah. which we speak. Yeah, indeed. And... Uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, talk about three three legends. I mean, I don't I don't know many people who had much connection with Betty White or Sidney Poitier, but but plenty of people worked with Bob because um, he did a bunch of Broadway stuff. Mm-hmm. Great, recently. a great a great story from I read on Twitter last night from Bob Martin, who I know uh, from Drowsy Chaperone. We've talked about Drowsy Chaperone, and uh, Bob Saget made his he had done you know a lot of television and. He made his Broadway debut as Man and Chair in Drowsy Chaperone, mm-hmm. and after his his debut, a man who has done so much, made so much money in television, and his family will continue to receive those residuals, I'm pretty sure, uh, ran off stage after Man and Chair and just like was weeping and so so appreciative. So someone who could appreciate the art, yeah. even ever after having reached success, is always is always something that I admire. No, no, and he he respected the art form, which is. All of what I ask, especially when somebody big like that comes in as a sort of a stunt casting, like just respect the art form. And he, you know, the the friends that I had that worked with him in Hand to God mm-hmm. on Broadway as well, the play, like said, he was just a lovely, lovely person. Uh, all right. Let us now hop back into the time machine, into uh, a, a, a different time. I would say a simpler time and in some ways a simpler time, but in some ways not. We are going to talk about March 31st, the year 2003, and it is time to ask Mike, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Well, why don't we start with you, Keith, since I, uh, I guess, have the picture up. Oh, okay. There it is. Yeah. So, uh, so I was, of course, going back into the emails because I've, I've got her emails, and by her I mean me, and there aren't 30,000, there's 98,000. Uh, and uh, discovered that the Time magazine this week featured a picture from the original Three Tenors concert, which uh, took place in Rome in 1990. I don't know why it was in there, whether it was an article about opera or an article retrospective of something, something. I don't know. Uh, However, in that uh, Three Tenors picture printed here in Time magazine... In the background is my aunt, Claudia, playing viola. Hey! Um, because uh, my my aunt and uh, my uncle were both uh, members of the Magia Musicale um, Orchestra in Florence, Italy. Uh, Zubin Mehta was the uh, conductor. And they played the first Three Tenors concert. So we were emailing around like, hey, is the, uh, you know, like, because we knew that they were... You know, they'd play the show, but like, oh, is that Claudia? It's hard to tell. And of course, we did confirm with her that it is indeed her in the background uh, there between uh, Carreras and Domingo 
uh, in the background playing uh, first chair viola. And my uh, uncle was the uh, French horn player. You know, after one of the Schmerzy boys, uh, this I could see this guy. You can always tell who's about to come and make a comment. And the thing about cruise mm -hmm. ships specifically is you generally, if you decide, if someone decides to come up to you and like discuss the performance, you'd think they're going to compliment you. I mean, if you're going to make the effort. Right. No, it's only about 60-40. Uh, many times they have uh, varying opinions. This one time, this lady in a in pink bunny slippers at the buffet came up to one of my colleagues and was like, she's like, I know you're really giving it everything you got up there. It's awesome. We really appreciate it. He's like, great. She's like, you could use a little more soul. And you're like, you're wearing pink bunny slippers. Uh, oh, my God. Anyway, this guy, I could see him formulating something in his head, and then he made a beeline for us, and I was like, okay, here we go. And he comes and he just says, Hey, you know what they were going to name the group when Pavarotti joined it? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, the three tonners. Because <laughs> Pavarotti is fat, Keith. Was, uh, yeah, oh, yes, yes. And 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 this was, he was going to join the Four Seasons? No, uh, the group that I travel with at this point is called the, the, Jersey, called the tenors. Jersey Tenors. So he, right. this was his big moment to use his three tonners joke. And uh, three, he, yeah. he went for it. Uh, there, there it is. Yeah, well, yeah. uh Zing! Take that, ghost yep. of Pavarotti. <laughs> You're fat. That's that is fat shaming hilarious. the dead Pavarotti. Anyhow, Keith, this time I remember. It's funny we're talking about seminal television shows. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so you remember the original TGIF? Of course. And one of Gonna my have some fun. Show how it's done. TGIF. One of my favorite shows. I believe it was. Uh, well, well. The original TGIF, eventually Family Matters was on. There was Full House followed by Family Matters. But Family mm -hmm. Matters, trivia, trivia, was a spinoff of another sitcom that was a TGIF staple. You recall? It took place in Chicago. I'll give I you a hint. I recall that it happened, yes. I'll give you a hint. Harriet Winslow, the matriarch of the Winslow right. family. Right. Originally was a character who was an elevator operator in a department <sighs> store in Chicago. That was run by two cousins. Oh, different strokes. Uh, no. Perfect Strangers. Perfect, Perfect Strangers. Strangers. Oh starring which two actors, Keith? Uh, celebrated, uh, celebrated character actor. Of course, uh, uh, Mark. Uh, no, Bronson Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot and as Balky. Uh, and Marklin Baker. And Marklin Baker. Who starred in a performance of a musical I went to see on Broadway on in April of 2003. Okay, uh, it would be Frog and Toad or Friends. Frog and Toad, a year with Frog and Toad the musical I went to see. Be just because I loved Perfect Strangers, uh, I don't know Mark, but uh, I wanted to see the show. And uh, I didn't know at the time Marklin Baker was such a... He's such a stage guy. He's such a... He's done a oh, million oh, things. Oh, absolutely. That's his whole... That was his bread and butter. And uh, I don't know how history has remembered you with Frog and Toad, but I thought it was delightful. A fond memory of at the theater. It was cheap as hell. I got tickets through school. I believe it was in previews when I saw it. I did see it in March, I believe. Sure. Uh, I think it opened April 13th. I looked it up earlier. Anyhow, uh, that's what I was doing. So a little uh, closed circle there. I was seeing you with Frog and Toad uh, that I would audition for later when it would tour with TheaterWorks. And Keith, little known fact, Mm. I didn't get it. Oh, it would no join. A, it would join a long list of shows that I would make to the very final callbacks, and uh, you know, not. Get I it. mean, look, you have been rejected by some really fine theater. Some of the best there. 
Yeah, some, some of the best. Of the best. That's so interesting. Uh, Mark's wife directed me in Les Mis once. Actually, I would love to. I've always uh, jokingly wanted to write a little uh, cabaret uh, called Almost. Almost, so I, I yeah. Got quite a list of almost. Yeah, no, I think that's a. You know what? That's that's not a bad idea. Like the. Yeah, it should be like things I didn't get. I'm going to mm-hmm. perform an entire night of yeah. things that I. Uh, but like I, the the, I the trick of it is is that you can't because every you, you know people do that. But like it's always with this like. I, uh, I didn't get it, but with this angst. But I don't feel that angst. I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm like that was pretty awesome. Like yeah, you know. well I mean it in and you know I say it tongue in cheek about being rejected by all these great things. Like in order to get rejected at that level is quite an accomplishment. That like, said, it, it, it really is. That said, if you'll recall my story, I was an intern. I wasn't an intern. I got paid. I was a peon for the uh, National Alliance for Musical Theater. That's mm-hmm. how I know Drowsy Chaperone. I've my name is on so many rejection letters to like mm-hmm. big composers just because yeah. I was the guy manning the desk. That uh, rejection isn't always a brush with fame. Sometimes it's a brush with some guy making twelve dollars an hour. Well, no, that's true. That's true. But uh, no, I mean, but you know, if you if you got that close with these things, like you know, you had to. You, you can't just walk in off the street and get rejected by uh by these big productions so mm-hmm. congratulations congratulations Thanks, on buddy. your on uh on your failure but like impressive failure hey man it means a lot coming from you you've been you've, yeah. you've also uh been rejected i, I know i know a great deal about <laughs> failure <laughs> all right folks you know what it's time for it's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Well, folks, here we are in March 31st, the year 2003. Uh, if you're playing at home, that's just one day after Scott, my younger brother's 19th birthday. Happy birthday, Scott. No. uh, Yeah, 20th birthday. Jesus. All right. The local paper, the Bruin Free Press, talked about allied troops advancing. U.S. kills 100 Iraqi fighters because we were deep into the Iraq war at that point. The top movie was Head of State, the Chris Rock and Bernie Mac film. And the top song continued to be In the Club by 50 Cent. Who's doing our cover today, Mike? Well, Keith, this is one of my favorites. This is a, a YouTube channel called Good Fortune, and is it's in the club, except it's Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. That's great. That's one of my favorite covers we have done so far. Now it is time for everybody's favorite segment. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. The Boston Hockey Bruins tied the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-2 two two in the Fleet Center. A tie, you say? Yup. Up until the tw- 2005-2006 season, the NHL would end games in ties if no team scored in overtime. After the rule change, regular season games still tied after a five-minute overtime period would be finished in a shootout. They're exciting, but they're not really hockey. So uh, I will continue our little little information here because I think it's interesting. The NHL has instituted more changes to make them less likely uh, shootouts, that is, reducing the players in overtime from 5-on-5 to 4-on-4 and currently to 3-on-3 to encourage games ending in a hockey goal, not a skills competition. Uh, There it is, ties. 
Tyson Sports, we almost had one last night. That would have been Should've very had one consequential. Last night. Would have you know, been, and, uh, and and I think that the reason I was rooting for it was only not because I care about either of those teams, because I wanted Ben to have to retire on his couch with no say in it. That's what I really wanted to happen because he deserves it because he's a garbage <laughs> human. Because uh, yeah, well, you know, not everyone's rooting for uh, Ben Raplesberger. Okay, so uh, in case you're wondering in real life, we're recording this on the 10th of January, 2022. Uh, so the final game of the season, the NFL season, was the Raiders-Chargers. Uh, anyway, you know, if you're listening to this in 10 years, you'll be like, what the hell are they talking about? But I think what the hell Keep are they talking in, about is a very... No one's listening to this 10 years from now. No one's, li- <laughs> no one's listening to it now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm a human being, <laughs> god damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Okay, folks, we are talking about The Practice Season 7, Episode 18, Capital Crimes. This was written by David E. Kelly, but also Lucas Ryder and Jonathan Shapiro. We have hey. a... Three people wrote on this and directed by, guess what? A first-time director on the practice. Okay. Joseph Berger Davis. This was not only his first director, first episode directing the practice, his first episode directing, period, because he's mostly a producer. He did. He produced 133 episodes of the practice, also NYPD Blue, Close to Home, The Firm, iZombie, etc., etc., uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the producer directs in this episode. But before we listen to this episode, it is time for Mike to give us the very important. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? You know, Keith, I know there's a theme. I know that we're trying to jump the shark, but the truth of the matter is, is they don't need mm-hmm. me to jump the shark. I mean, they're doing a pretty, pretty good job on their own. So all they're I'm warming gonna up say, the jet ski. You can totally yeah, tell. Yeah. I'm gonna just this week. I want to just vote for something I want to see happen, and I know that it's what David must want me to want. Mm, and so mm. I hopefully it'll be paid off. I think it's time. I just think it's time for Lindsay to tell Bobby to go fuck himself. Ooh. They set it up the last week. In fact, when I came back from the ship, Jen's been quarantining in the back room. I heard her watching last week's episode and it was on the scene where Bobby was meeting up with uh, Miss Fonda and even hearing it from afar, it filled me with rage. It filled me with almost New York Giants-esque rage. <laughs> They've just written him into such a, you know, and, and maybe, yes, he's an asshole, and maybe they're just unhappy in their marriage, and so it's fine, you know? <clears throat> you know, go out and, but uh, it's time. I don't know how it's going to shake out. It ain't going to be pretty. It ain't going to be, yeah. it ain't going to be lovey or mutual. I don't think there's any coming out. I think this is the week it happens. Bobby does the thing that jumps the shark of his relationship and cheats on Lindsay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, 
You know, it's sad. It's sad, but not all of Mike's guesses are happy. It's just going to be one of those things. Well, <laughs> if you would uh, like to listen to the sadness that Mike has created for us, hop over to your podcasting service of choice, and we will see you back here on the YouTubes for the oopsies. Apparently, Joe Judge has the PP tape. I might have to cut that audio out. <laughs> Joe Judge has the PP tape for the end of the season. <laughs> season 7, episode 18, Capitol Crimes. Yo. Z. No, Wait, like stop that. it right there. God, I don't want to blow up the I'm momentum of this. Dude talking on a cell phone. Could that be Clark's best friend from Smallville? But the week after Superman appeared, they didn't even know. It is Sam Jones the third, of course. And I knew Mike. That's why I had to stop right now because I knew Mike was going to be distracted by the fact that it is, of course, great character. Uh, Clark's best friend from Smallville, from uh, several seasons of Smallville. He didn't stick around the whole time, though, did he? No, I think he. I forget what happened to him. It sucked, though, because he was a good character, and they they ruined him. They did. They did indeed. Uh, but Sam Jones the third also was on Home of the Brave, Cruise, Glory Road, and ER. And uh, he's talking on a cell phone in what is clearly the back lot, the studio back lot, which they have tried desperately to make look like a bad neighborhood by adding chain look fences and changing signs. But instead, it looks like the entrance theming of a roller coaster. Man, things are slow out here. It's not an excuse. I just... Yeah, I hear you. No. Yeah, you get your money, all right? So he's a drug dealer. He sees another drug dealer. Oh, he's pulling out a gun. Holy crap. And he shot an innocent bystander. Now, he seems very disturbed that he... uh, there might have been collateral damage, although if you watch the scene, he didn't in the moment. He sure just was just spraying those bullets all over starts, Disney World. He sure, yeah, I, folks, if you uh, have access to the Hulus, definitely go back and just watch that teaser just for how badly they hid the fact that that was the back lot, the studio back lot. It looked like Los Main Angeles. Street USA in, at Disney, like when yeah. you walk into the Magic Kingdom. It was beautiful. It, it's, it looks like Six Flags and and they, you know, they put signs in the windows like used stuff and <laughs> hardware and, and discount and whatever. And it's clearly this. Uh, it was, uh, I, I, I have a note for the director already, such as that looked bad. But they believe the shooting was drug related. The suspect, only 19 years old, was arrested trying to flee the scene. In fact, police say the Dorchester teen was still holding a murder weapon. 
Police have identified that was Dorchester? the victim as 36-year-old Lauren <laughs> Hayes. Hayes, a single mother of three, was reportedly walking her son to school. Well, Keith, something tells me we're going to be we defending him. The judge called at 7. Eugene and Jimmy left an hour ago. Helen Gamble drew the case. Of course she did. Great. Of course she did. According to eyewitnesses, the Although that kid's Troy best thing ever happened to him was that he drew just the gun Eugene as his, defend, his defense attorney. Of it was an accident. Slow down. You need to find Willie Brand. He was the guy I was shooting at. I never meant to hit that lady. It really doesn't matter who you were shooting at, Troy. He if was, was going to kill me. That matters. It matters to me. Who was going to kill you? Willie Brand. He said if I sold on his corner one more time, he was going to cap me. Now, you need to be chasing his ass down instead of sitting I don't here. need to be chasing anybody's ass now. So this was a drug territory thing? Yes. Well, well, did he reach for a gun or point one at you? What did he do? Nothing. But I wasn't about to wait. He was going to do it, I know. Okay. This one feels like a loser, buddy. No talking in the courtroom. We'll meet here right after the arraignment. A lot of folks in Three, the two, seven, seven, uh, seven. Commonwealth versus Troy Ezekiel on the charge of murder in the first degree. Excuse me, Your Honor, but my client hasn't been brought in yet. Where is he? I can answer that. I apologize for the late notice, Your Honor. I'm Todd Dixon from the Justice Department. Troy Ezekiel is now in federal custody. What? Since when? A few minutes ago. U.S. Marshals just took him. Again, I apologize for the last-second confusion. Took him on whose authority? Judge Manella of the United States District Court for Boston. She issued a writ early this morning. Is there a new charge? Murder in the furtherance of a drug enterprise and drug trafficking within a thousand feet of a school. Oh, they're making an uh, example out of it. Federal case. Huh? Did you know about this? Of course so I did. So while we're doing that, you see my expression? There are murders all the time. So the federal lawyer who just came in to make a federal case out of it, literally, is Armand Schultz as AUSA Todd Dickinson, who you'd know from Vanilla Sky, Burn After Reading, The Happening, Salt, and uh, guess what? He was crewman Dalby in the Voyager episode Learning Curve. He was not adapting. The McKee was not adapting well to the, uh, the Federation regulations. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, this far no, no further. Uh, while we're down there, could someone send someone to the holodeck to uh, fashion a sandwich for Lara Flynn? She's uh, looking hungry. Time in that neighborhood. The federal government has never stepped in. Jimmy, figure it out. There can only be one explanation. Which is? What can the federal government do that the state can't? Oh, death penalty, baby. Oh, God. What? They can execute. Mike is ahead of the episode. You know who can't execute? Who's that? The set dressing department on this episode. Oh, shots fired. Death penalty? Yeah, man. But we think that's what this is about. They're going to kill me over an accident? Oh, you did kill somebody. The fact that it was the wrong person. Why the hell aren't you on my side? Let's get something straight. I'm your lawyer, not your friend. Now I remember you. You came to my school on some career day crap. You were cocky then and you still are. Pity I didn't know better. Look how we turned out. I should have been more like you. 
Won't she tough you out without a gun? Go ahead. Second thing to get straight, you a punk. Drug dealer, murderer, punk, which makes my job tougher. But I'm gonna do my job all the same. All I need for you is to do yours, which basically means to keep your mouth shut and do as I tell you. I, I mean, plenty of time to fuck it up, but... Really going I, for death. I love this setup, actually. Yes. I mean, it's... Very interesting. What happens is that well, and we've had Eugene in sort of a in a, a sort of a a mentor role as of late. So here's an opportunity for him to kind of flex a little bit, and and maybe we can re-examine some of his. Uh, we've really they've done a lot of time work in setting up his internal conflict that we haven't explored in a while. So let's see where, where it is these days. Well, and, and we also obviously are about to do a message about the federal government intervening to kill people. Yeah, David E. Kelly has, if, if nothing else, has been pretty, has really attacked the death, the, the capital murder, the death penalty stuff from, from multiple yep. angles. So this one's yep. uh, a new wrinkle about having the, you know, the federal government step in to a state case. They right. form an ad hoc committee. Basically, what they do is they walk around the and office with five prosecutors, whoever's there. And that committee decides whether or not to go for death. Pretty much. The U.S. attorney makes a short presentation, and then they vote. Simple as that. Sometimes they even do it over sandwiches. The problem is, once they decide Bobby is right, you can't appeal it. Do we get to address this committee? Do you have the right to? No. But sometimes they will invite defense lawyers in to hear what they have to say. How do we get such an invitation? You cross your fingers. Thank you. Any other way? Like someone who used to work in the Justice Department could make a phone call. And then Please. meet me for dinner? This kid is a criminal, no doubt. But he doesn't deserve death. I'll make a call. Thank you. Sorry, folks. My cable's loose. Can I have a second with Bobby? Beginning with what the fuck am I doing here? What are you doing? What? Why am I here? Because we needed... You don't have any other connections to the Justice Department? Believe it or not, no. Mm. Hey. Hey. Um, and Lindsay's here. Lindsay Dole, my wife. Sarah Barker. Hi. Yeah, nice well, let's see. No, my wife. Jeez, you got a frog and toad in your no, throat? No, I, I think we're done. Oh, good call. We're done. Yes. Thank you again for. Lindsay's not a moron, you. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. But in their marriage now, you know they're the perfect strangers. Says. Nice to meet you, Lindsay. You too. I mean, he could date them both. It'd be a full house, but. Oh wow. You I think okay? she might bulky at that. Me? Ah! You seem a little. On tilt. Oh, um, death penalty case. Um, um, you know, they're working things out, Keith. They're taking it step by step. <laughs> too rattled to eat? No, no. Let's, let's go eat. <laughs> We're all trying desperately to figure out how to work in hanging with Mr. Cooper. Yeah, well, we don't want to get in too involved in their own family matters. If you think about it, these are exactly the criminals they should execute. How do you figure that? Well, 
If the death penalty exists as a deterrent, this is where it would be the most effective. You know, if people get the message, you get careless with a gun. I think we should just deport them. He's an American, Lucy. So what? You kill somebody, you lose citizenship. Boom, done. What's wrong with that? This is a stupid conversation they shoehorned in Hi. there to try to Hi. show an alternate They're viewpoint. Right in there. Thank you. How many attractive lawyers can we squeeze in one scene? That's true, yeah. Just take four random people. They okay. all look like that. You got your invitation, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Thank you. Is there a certain procedure or... Not really. Prosecution goes first, then you. Expect to get about 10 minutes. Now look, don't waste it arguing the elements. The committee assumes guilt. They assume a first-degree conviction. Their role is only how to punish the convicted. You mean what punishment to recommend? It's the jury who decides. The jury may decide, Jimmy, but if you look at their track record, when the feds ask for death, they almost always get it. Which means if we're to save this kid's life... You need to do it here. What about administrative rules? I don't think you understand. They pluck five prosecutors, they put them in a room, and they decide. No rules, no evidentiary procedure, no due process. You just make the best case you can that this kid, deep down, is an angel. We better get to work. I'm still stuck on the why. Why go after this kid? It isn't the kid, Jimmy. It's the Commonwealth. Ashcroft is trying to bring the death penalty into all of the states that don't have it. And Wait, Massachusetts Ashcroft? is on the top of his list. So he's Wait. holding state murder cases. You mean uh, our Attorney General, John Ashcroft? Let the eagle soar Like she's never soared before Folks, are you looking for stock music for b-roll that you'd like to roll i can confirm youtube will not strike you for this one use it fair use baby hey you're looking for do you need a, a song to dance to at your wedding john ashcroft's let the eagle soar very affordable he'll Just come perform it for you federal court he's dead like i said the ghost of john ashcroft better get to work <laughs> he's dead <laughs> thank you no problem. Sarah. And all of the ghosts he created by executing really people will all come this. sing a chorus of it for well, him. Good luck so many it. pretty lawyers with blonde it. hair, flaxen, almost golden. We could call them the golden girls. Listen, uh, it's going to be a late night here, and I don't know if you have plans, but... Jesus Christ, Bobby. You want to grab some dinner? The reason this is so important. And why can't she still have a backbone? We have no defense. Right? Like, the kid he was shooting at. Because that's not how this turns works. Turns out he had no weapon. None of the witnesses saw him Bobby's making any so threatening pretty. gestures towards your son. And Troy Meanwhile, himself CEO told Jen's listening to She's like, yeah, I, I, would, I would cheat on you with so, Bobby, so. Oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd cheat on you with Bobby. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I thought otherwise. Which means... We need to convince them not to go for the death penalty. Our defendant's father here a, is played by Harold because Surratt. Because the decision isn't subject to appeal, and B, when they go for the death penalty, they usually get it. My God. My God. Look, I'm not even sure the committee will agree to hear from you. 
But if they do, I did the best I could. Hey man, no one's blaming Troy's you. Troy's older brother, he got into drugs. Troy just followed suit, I guess. But I tried. I tried. Great scene. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So, now we're in therapy, and I don't know, I hope it helps, but... But... Now they're at dinner with the mistress! Hello? Come here. Well, maybe you can say something. Okay, I can't believe we're sitting here doing this. Like at Sardis. How's that? Doing what? We're having dinner. Oh, we're having dinner. Okay. What do you think we're doing? Let's see, who wrote the show? Bobby, this is foreplay. Damn. Excuse me? Oh, I did 10 minutes on my lousy marriage, 20 minutes on how your wife really doesn't understand you. This is foreplay for infidelity. Isn't even original. I have no plans for being oh, unfaithful get the, to my You know what, Bobby? Get over it. Probably too good of a guy to actually do it, but just allowing for the possibility. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. She's like, so if you, I ask you to meet me in the bathroom. I'm having dinner with an old friend, period. Fine. You know, you make it seem like I'm trying to orchestrate something here. But here you sit. You brought me in on a case. Which doesn't obligate you to dinner. But here you sit. Bobby's deflecting. Okay, you're right. I plead guilty. So you're up, Bobby. I made my admission. I'm here because I find it a little exciting to be having dinner with a man I used to make love to. I'm not innocent. What's your story? That's a sentence no one's ever story. said in the real world you before. Feel you feel Lindsay's responsible for that loneliness. And so that somehow justifies you going out to enjoy some simple company with a friend. Lindsay shut you out. She drove you to this dinner in a way. Isn't that the way it goes? Okay, all that said, know? Keith, what I think is kind of really cool and what I think Bobby thinks is very hot is that she's doing some pretty awesome psychoanalyzing. Now, whereas we loved her candor in the last episode, maybe we don't like the the inevitable outcome of this, but her candor still exists. She's saying exactly what is happening. There is, it's Shakespeare, baby. There's no subtext. There's no between no, the lines. It, it's on the page. Well, it, it's all there. And I, I like that she's reading the stage directions. And, you know, and, and from the standpoint of Bobby, uh, in no way is this a justification. <laughs> it, but if Bobby is complaining that he wants to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. She's reading his mind. She's seeing, like, she, what she's seeing isn't good. But mm -hmm. she's definitely, like, paying attention to what he's thinking and feeling and doing right now. And what what's kind of refreshing, and I'll say, at least as far as character goes, is, look, I, I'm, I don't champion infidelity, but at least she's owning it, right? Whereas he is trying to have his cake and eat it, too. He wants the excitement of it, but he doesn't right. want to be uh, culpable. He's giving or, himself a deniability, which is bullshit. Right, where she's just like, here's why we're here. I'm in, I'm in, I admit to it. I'll face the consequences should they come. What about you? 
right? Like the power trip, I think, is uh, is part of it for her. No, I no, I think it's interesting. Mike and Deglio, I don't necessarily champion infidelity. Completely innocent. If anything were to happen, well, what if you're gonna do it? It would have to be me. You, I guess you've got to be in. Take her that crazy me. You're safe, Bobby. Not sure it's what you want, but you're safe. This will be a dinner, nothing more. I'm not sure his son's gonna watch this episode, and uh, Bobby Jr.'s gonna watch and uh, be, be proud thrilled. of his dad. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get the names of the committee members, call me. I'll give you the rundown. Okay. This is me right here, 207. Oh, you mean that same set we use for everybody's apartment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. The last thing I'll add, though, is let's remove ourselves from the fiction of the world, and the question becomes. I'm, and we can talk about it an hour or later, but what what are we why? Right? What's the yeah. what story are we telling? Right? Like we get Bobby's conflict, but we haven't really explored you know, we've explored a couple times he won't get help from pressure and Lindsay went through a bunch of stuff, but like what what are what is the story we're telling? Because even the scenes where Lindsay walks in, it's this episode or the Black Widow episode, they only serve to make me uncomfortable, right? I'm not I don't know what bigger story I'm getting other than this dude's a douche. It's a bad marriage. And and I watched that with my parents. Like, what am I watching it on TV for? What's the bigger story here? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough to say because you're because I, I think you're I think you're you're right. The story like this happens. This happens yeah, yeah. all the time. Like and and this character would certainly be in danger of that happening. So like I I think it's like I understand it is realistic and legitimate that this would be happening, but what is, what's the moral of the story? What what are they trying to say? Because you know this what, one of the things that makes this show great is that there's always a point mm -hmm. for everything. There's you're always trying to say something, and I'm not sure what they're trying to say here. Other than like, huh, that's a story you could tell, even if there's no why. And, and there's been, it's it lacks, it lacks um, consistency in a way that every once in a while we'll get an episode or a scene where Lindsay is, has the power and is standing up for herself and saying, I don't want to be treated like this. But then we consistently go back to these scenes where they shoot it like Lindsay's, they give her like a knowing vibe but still she's walking in on something or she's noticing this or she it's always her i don't know we've just seen a lot of like shitty stuff happen to Lindsay. i feel so bad for her man yeah they have to, they haven't treated that character so hot this is where it's going to happen it's always in a car when the seatbelt comes Again. off yeah thanks she's going to lean in and kiss him though take My it out pleasure. of his hands and thank you for dinner three Two. If you ever single again, call me. Oh, there's the I fuck. I don't have plans to be single again. They made her do it. Of course. And ooh. 
I feel like we've seen that building four to six times before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's so fun. I think we saw it in the backs, back of the uh, the opening <laughs> the room, scene, opening yeah. scene. Did you kiss her back? No. Why would well, you tell Rebecca, really man? Kiss me. It was just well, a good night. Why were you having dinner with her? I don't know. You all say I crave isolation. I think a part of me needed. Don't give me that crap. You're just looking to pop your hot dog. Rebecca. I'm lonely. I misunderstood. Why are you even telling me this? I tell you why. You're looking to clear your little conscience and not get caught. You should be telling Lindsay if you're angry, not me, and certainly not that slut Sarah. Everything's just black and white with you, isn't it? This is. You don't go having dinner with ex-girlfriends. You're married. I agree uh, with everything except for why slut shamer. That that's fair. But it's just like it just it just to remember, uh, this is written by a man. So you know, just just for or a, well, a team and of also men. and also the story she got, which we didn't hear, was told by Bobby. So, that's true. No, you know what I mean, totally her true. viewpoint maybe she didn't get the full picture like we did. She doesn't. She sure as hell, I'm sure, doesn't know that she's Rebecca. Still, you know, she's seducing me. Yeah, um, but it only takes thirty seconds to remind everybody watching, and unfortunately, not the production team or, an hour, or the writing room rebecca donaldson is an incredible character played by an incredible actress and she deserves more than that one awesome scene yes and also she deserves to have her name correct this is how troy ezekiel looked that morning what did i call her rebecca rebecca donaldson oh you know who that is that's Who's that aunt becky from full house <laughs> whoops <laughs> yeah, well, there it is. It's all coming what, together. What's her name on the show? Rebecca Washington. Washington. We're oh in season seven. No, I'm sorry. I'm back in Full House, baby. R.I.P. Bob Sag. Paid by Lori Lachlan, who was uh, this is the man who killed. Who probably Lauren needs? Hayes. Who probably could have used uh, the help of Rebecca Washington? Re yeah, fair enough. Not the cleaned up version they brought in here today. What you're getting now. Oh, that's funny. Is a copy of Mr. Ezekiel's rap sheet. It shows two convictions for cocaine possession. Those were misdemeanor arrests? The first one, that's correct. That's Broadway's David see, Garrison back he was given as a break. Attorney McNally. Instead of jail, the court ordered treatment. 18 months later, he was arrested again. This time with twice the amount of drugs. And again, he was allowed to plead to a misdemeanor. How long did he serve? 90 days, which was light, given that he was already a seller. Mr. Dixon, let's get to the crime, please. Oh, hey, that was what's-his-bucket. This map David shows the path yeah. taken by the defendant. As you can see, he started firing... Who was on one of the original Fox sitcoms, Married with Children, as Married Steve. with Children. Yeah. And also uh, was uh, Hannibal Lecter in the off-Broadway Silence the Musical. I want to smell your... ...firing at yes, will exactly. here. We're not going to finish target, that lyric here on dealer, the uh, practice podcast. Managed to get away without being hit. But not before the defendant emptied his clip. Shooting 11 rounds onto a crowded street less than two blocks away from a school. He didn't care who or what he hit. True. She was 36 years old. She had three children she supported. She did not have alone. a line and so she got paid dick. She was a good woman. A good mother gone now and forever one hell of an extra lauren hayes didn't deserve to die 
Troy Ezekiel does. Lauren Hazels has one hell of a headshot. We took this from her MySpace profile. <laughs> oh, the kid. Think he's going to say anything, Keith? We can't pay him. This is Lauren Hayes' son. I'd like you to hear from him. Off camera. Played by Kyle Massey. Not the Broadway Kyle Massey. Did it go that well? They heard from the son. The son? Of the victim. He was pretty devastating. Bobby, <laughs> Sarah Barker. Good Could you persuade Jim. her to join our defense? What? Why? Well, one problem we have, Dixon knows all the committee members, their colleagues. Jimmy and I are just your basic defense attorneys. We have no real credibility with them. We thought since Sarah used to work in that office... That was many years ago. Even so, it couldn't hurt. And right now, things don't look good. Could you ask her? I don't think that's a good idea. No, I don't. Mm -mm. Well, I do. Bobby, we need some help here. I mean, if she could just so much as be at our table. She could do that without Bobby being involved, you know, guys. It wasn't my idea. I promise you, it wasn't. Well, exactly what do they want me to do? That's right. Why does Bobby have to be a part of this at all? Yeah, be in the room. They don't need Bobby. They've met her already. They've met her. They can make the phone call. Like, yeah, Bobby's not on this case. This wouldn't. What did what did Rebecca say? He just wants to get his hot dog popped. He wants to get his hot dog popped. Uh, That's some piss ass crap, folks. I give you my word. No. This comes from Eugene. Hot dog popped. Wow. You know a lot of these committee members. It might help. Doesn't now, Keith, sound pleasant under any circumstances. We have been giving her, uh, I would say, a lot of credit. She's been written pretty strong and stuff until it's been waffling after that dinner. What's the chance that she's going to throw a quid pro quo into this? Oh, yeah. Well... I don't think she needs to. I think she knows perfectly well. All she has to do is exist, and he's going to start popping that her hot leg dog? with his hot dog. Yeah. We don't want to hear from his father. Why not? Mr. Young, this committee is already indulging you just by allowing you to be here. You heard from the victim's son. Why can't... Look, if you want to give Troy a chance to speak, fine. But we're not going to turn this into a hearing. We're just asking for two minutes. The time for his father to talk would be at sentencing. We're just asking for the two... The answer is no, counsel. You said you'd be willing to hear from Troy? Briefly. Let us do that, then. Hold on. Give us a short break to talk it over. I don't need to talk that over. Eugene? Eugene, you asked for her, man. Eugene, I woke a up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get my hair to do this. It's insane to let him talk. We'd be offering up free discovery. That's why they're willing to hear from him. We might as well gift wrap the conviction. Eugene, you need to work on your tone. <whistles> and normally I would agree. But here, the conviction is a done deal. He opened fire on a crowded street in front of witnesses. The victim couldn't possibly be more sympathetic. And his own statement to the police supplies motive and intent. Now, could we just There's let him speak and wrap this up here. by having an affair to do? And his life to gain. This is the problem when you bring me in on things, guys. I have opinions. Fortunately, I, I do like the character. Lindsay, hey. Hey, what's up? 
Nothing. I just thought I'd, um... I just thought I'd put on the fattest tie I've ever seen in my life. Zoot Suit Bobby is back. And the loosest shirt. <laughs> that looks like they're like, oh, man, we need Bobby in a suit today. Damn. Does anybody have a shirt? Yeah, it's 12 sizes too big, and the tie is from the big and tall, but let's just throw it on them. You know, that's what I wear to try to hide my gut. <laughs> uh, I, don't someone... think, I don't think Dylan has to worry about that. Uh, guys, uh, we need... Could someone get Dylan a Steve Harvey suit? <laughs> Say hi. Oh. Hi. It's just, you know, since we don't work side by side anymore, I, I thought that could be one of the reasons that... I just having this conversation, check in with each other in front of Claire Wyatt and a client. Good idea. Yo, I think to be fair, it feels like Lindsay's pretty checked out too. I try to come in and connect, and you give back nothing, Lindsay. Can we talk about this at home? But we don't talk at home. By the time we get Bobby to bed, and it's a Michael's right type of time, though. Dealing's the first thing I was ever good at. I never used, uh, I never skimmed from the bosses. I made more money than any other corner. I was so good at it, I started having problems. What kind of problems? Competition problems. Some of the other dealers got word that I was making big numbers, so they started coming around giving me trouble. So you thought your life was in danger? No, I knew it was. I know these people, they don't play around. So I called a friend, he fixed me up with a nine. Next day I saw Willie. I swear, I, n I never meant to kill that lady. When I saw what happened, I, I couldn't even breathe. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say. Good performance there. You've been a drug dealer for the last four years? Yes. You've been arrested more than a dozen times. Well, the fact that he was arrested doesn't prove he did anything. It proves your client's a career criminal, Mr. Young. He started at possession, then escalated to sale, and now he's graduated to murder. That was an accident. Yes, you killed the wrong person. I understand. You were trying to kill somebody else. No, but I already told you that I didn't have a choice. Seems to me you had a choice to walk away from that corner. If you were worried about your safety, why didn't you quit? I don't know. Look. Mr. Young told me I need to be honest. And I'm doing that. I'm guilty. I killed that woman and it was wrong. I know I got no excuses. I chose my life. But I don't think that it's unfair to say that I didn't get a lot of breaks in my life. Great performance. It was hard growing up. It was hard ever since I'm 19 years old. 
that I know that I made a lot of mistakes and I know I gotta pay for what I did. But I just don't think I should have to die for it. Yeah, maybe I got no right to say that. I'm just asking you. I'm just asking you to, I'm just asking you to give me a chance. Panel of 12 white people? Well, of course. But I think that's like, I, I like the episode veering into a place of compassion here. Mm -hmm. That in context that I, I think is important. Lindsay, hey, what's Bobby up to? Why are you asking me? I, I, I mean, what makes you think he's even up to something? I mean, I, I haven't noticed him being up to something. Anybody here think Bobby's up to something? Rebecca's better than that. See? For Nobody. Talk, let the finish Is he here? Scene finish. He's in his then office, but I, I don't think he's up to anything. I mean, that's so stupid. Okay, can we just, like... I... Rebecca is a better, smarter character and liar than that. And Lara Flynn Boyle, Lara Flynn Boyle, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, Kelly Williams? No, no, well, no, Kelly Williams does, uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton is a better actress than that. That feels like bad writing and bad directing, forcing a cartoon character performance out of Rebecca and Lisa Gay there that makes no sense to me. It it makes no sense in the con in the in the world of the show because there's I understand I understand, right? But it's there it's this desire in the writer's room to like insert in these heavy things and look, this is a serious as you said before, if we're going to play if we're going to deal with infidelity Right and or maybe not even infidelity with the thoughts and the confusion around a struggling relationship and the temptations and the the flirtations. Right. right? If we're going to deal with that seriously, okay, let's deal with it seriously. But they have this desire in many different of these high tension type scenarios to insert a comedic scene by making some character. And here's the problem: any character, right? Choose right. one. They were, somebody basically got our note and was like, oh, Lisa Gay's got to be in more episodes, right? We got to fulfill a quota. So, and then it's like in the, it's, it, I guarantee you, if we were to get our hands on that script, they use the word bumbling, right? Because it's the only yeah. thing that can describe, that's how you have to play bumbling, right? Like Mr. Like you right. just tripping over your words and, oh, uh, uh, uh. and Lindsay, if we want to go to your, to your, yes, Rebecca is smarter. She's a better liar. She's a friggin' litigator. She's a lawyer for the god for God's sake, but Kelly Williams or uh, Lindsay is also smarter than that. She'd be like, "What the fuck's up, Rebecca? Like, why? What happened?" Well, I, I mean, it, the I whole think, thing is stupid. I think Lindsay's on it, but like, why? Why all of a sudden do we drop in a scene written and performed like it's on Friends? Well, also, it's clear, right, episode. that we're playing we're playing on words. Lindsay was not asking. What's Bobby up to? Clearly, he was so acting strange. Bad. She's like, "Where's he at?" He's based. She's like, "What's up? With, where's he at?" I want to talk to him. It, it's like this whole up to something monologue, something out of like a high school student written show. Bad. It's bad. It's, I just you're hate, better the, than I hate this. the whole thing. I hate the whole thing. You're better than this. I hate this scene already. 
Listen. I know you're trying to make an effort. And, um... It's been months, you know, and... Lindsay. You're not in love with me. You can say it. I love you, Bobby. But... I don't know. It just, it seems with... With everything that I've been through, I... I guess I feel a little emotionally depleted, and what little I have, I give to our son, and it It's almost seems like she's been through an insane I amount of trauma in federal prison also. Mm, mm. You said that in starting your own firm. You were beginning a process of leaving me. Where are you in that process? Well, I'm not I having an affair. It. I so desperately want us to make it. Interesting wrinkle there. They gave they gave this they gave this plot line. First of all, I, I think I'm I'm willing to work on your premise that this is like an a realistic difficult thing to deal with. Sure. If we remove that last scene. That last scene really sucked. This, this is powerful, especially since they're giving it an out. They're giving themselves an out. She could have literally been like, I'm ready to leave you now. And then they give Dylan, they give him off the hook a little bit. They give him a new romance. I'm talking about like, if, if you're right, thinking right. for the longevity of the show. But they're doubling down, right? Which... Bobby's very Catholic, I get, like, I, okay. They gave him an out. Well, you know, and the the thought that I, because you're talking about all the trauma that she's been through and how, you know, she's emotionally depleted and and pointing out that it's it's just been months. Like, she was in federal prison. She was, she killed, like, I get that, you know, her, the the effects of her trauma are difficult on your marriage, but, like, my my i would say like have some fucking patience all right mm -hmm. she's not going to be right for a while give her the help that she needs and then be patient she's not going to be available to you like the way you're you want to be while she's dealing with this trauma she was in fucking jail you know the thing i'm Take struggling with breath. you mentioned compassion right there and and the thing i'm struggling with keith is that and i think it's I'm going to speak in the world of the show and then and then and then step out of it for a second. In the world of the show, uh you know what what you just said up there and what I'm sorry, what's the what's his last girlfriend's name? What's the the, the new uh, Sarah Barker. Sarah. You know what she points out is that Bobby here, let's let's say like you said he's having trouble being seen. Let's say let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he has no intent he had no intentions on ever sleeping with her. He was enjoying the flirtation. He was enjoying the back and forth because emotionally he's feeling he's not being fulfilled in his marriage. He doesn't know how to proceed, all that stuff. Let's benefit of the doubt it, okay? That he wasn't going to do anything. I'm not I'm not saying that a, an emotional affair, if that's what's happening, where flirtation is, is good clearly what's for happening. marriage. But yeah. well, it's not like it's long going. I mean, it, well, fair. But, 
they have him doubling down and and she's called it out and she's like well put your put your money where your mouth is and he was like no not not a firm no but not my point my point is if i'm giving compassion like then i can see at least the motivation from where he's coming from emotionally maybe and it is like he's trying to make these swings with 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 lindsay the problem i have with that with giving him that benefit of the doubt is that it's not isolated if this was isolated right i would be like okay they've been through a lot right they've been through a lot but it's literally the third or fourth time with the first third or fourth different person two of which being fucking murderers right you've never met before it just makes it a little bit hard to just to isolate it and give that benefit of the doubt which makes all this even here where he's like they are absolutely setting this up like he is the victim in this relationship yeah i mean i don't know what they're i, I I'm, I'm not clear what exactly they're trying to say yet but you know i, I think the difference for me yeah, because it's probably not quite an emotional affair yet, but there's he's certainly ramping up to it. But it certainly is a a, a flirtation going on here. the The difference for me in his culpability is, uh, bumping into her and having the you know the the pitter pat, the flit, you know the flutter flutters. Okay, sure, it happens to everybody. Understood, whatever. But he's now taking actions, specific actions, to bring her into his life again. So that that isn't a thing that happens to him. That's a thing that he is doing, that he is facilitating intentionally. He brought her in on this case. He invited her to dinner. It's not happenstance. He's doing this on purpose. And I think that that is where his culpability really starts to gets you know to, he does seem confused in. about it i mean the wrinkle of him telling rebecca seems like he wants to come clean like he's confused by it i mean the 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 weird 13 second scene with the therapist the whole right they're they're trying a lot of different things i think the i think the issue keith clearly is that they're as confused as we are right yeah. they're not quite sure what they want to do and that is what i'm reading well and you know although to to play devil's advocate personally i'm it's confusing and complex you yeah. know, like a situation like this, it's messy. It's messy, mm -hmm. it's confusing, it's complex. Shit happens. Okay. The show's better, it's at its best when it's not dealing with that bullshit, though. The show's better inside these walls. Well, I'm tired the of show the should know what it's trying to get to, opponents. at least. It's easy to be for life. What's tough is to stand for what's right. What's hard is to do the dirty work of dealing with those who have no regard for the lives of others. We blame poverty for their crimes. The fact that their parents didn't love them enough. The media. We even blame ourselves. We've become so weak and morally uncertain that we can't even come together to punish those who kill us. Today, I stand for the silent dead. Lauren Hayes can't speak for herself. But her blood cries out. Do justice such a to Troy argument. Ezekiel. He took her, her life, blood cries out? her future, all that she was or will ever be. And he took even more than that. He took her son's futures. He sentenced them to a life of foster homes and uncertainty and pain. Make no mistake, there was more than one victim there. Those boys are victims too. Like me, you men are prosecutors. Our duty is to protect society. Man, every one of them a white Executing man. Executing.
destroy Ezekiel will affirm that we as a people are prepared to bear any ethical burden and bear any moral cost to defend our citizens and our way of life. God help us if we're not strong enough to do that anymore. Up until now, you've heard mainly from Eugene Young. Come on, Jimmy, what you I'd got? I'd like you to hear from me now. Personally, I've always been pro-death penalty. In the last few years, I've switched. Mainly on grounds of humanity, That's but also uh, on grounds... the reality that the system is so fundamentally flawed. More than a hundred death row inmates have been cleared and released. Who knows how many innocent people we've killed? Mr. Berluti, for the sake of this hearing, we assume guilt. And even if we didn't, are you really suggesting to us that Troy Ezekiel is innocent? I'm suggesting to you that the system of capital punishment is broken. How people get on death row is suspect, and it's suspect here. How so? This is politics. The fact is, if we had a Democrat in the White House, none of us would be here today. Not on these facts, especially in a state that doesn't have the death penalty. But now, everything is different. Under this administration, we do it all the time. We've sought more executions in the last six months than Bill Clinton did in the last eight years. What kind of system allows that to happen? Where the same crime, the same criminal, is treated differently based on who's in office. One gets to live, one gets to die. I'd advise you to excise the political commentary council and just stick to Troy Ezekiel. Well, regardless the of the political commentary, the, greatest punishment the point is very have. important. It's mm -hmm. reserved. Because, like, regardless of whether you agree with one side or the other, and obviously the show and we agree with one side and not the other, the fact that it's different speaks is, is an injustice. It shouldn't be different, you know, like, based on the political... Yeah, I mean he's he's 100% right. It's good it's a very good point. Wasn't it wasn't there a, and I could be delusional in 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 rose tinted glasses, but wasn't there a time in our country where specifically the Supreme Court was apolitical? I mean, yes there, no. were, there were conservative judges and and liberal judges, but like isn't the isn't the purpose that they're not supposed to be It's well, it, they're not supposed to be, but I don't think there's ever a time where it hasn't been. For the most vicious criminals. It's the remedy we use for the worst of the worst. That's not Troy Ezekiel. And you know it. He needs to be punished. He's ready for that. That's why we came here today. That's why Troy answered all your questions and in the process guaranteed himself a conviction. He knows his life is in your hands. The decision the five of you make today is about much more than the fate of my client. It's about the character of this committee. It's about the integrity of this system. He's a boy. You can't seek to kill him and tell me politics isn't in play.
Good job, Jimmy. And it shows growth from the character. Because he was very much on board with the death penalty back in season two. And that's actually, regardless of what, like you said, you, your stake on the, the light death penalty is, Jimmy's argument is factually pretty much correct. I don't know. Yep. Jimmy's checking. <clears throat> well before an answer today. Thank you. I know you don't like me much, but... And in, in 45 minutes, I think there's been some... They've done a, a yeoman's work in showing him, this, this defendant, as showing some growth there. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for... Contrition... Was a sympathetic guy for a guy who started out like by being a lawyer? indiscriminately shooting. For the most part. You seem good at it. Thank you. How long does it take? Sorry? Law school. Four years of college, but how many years for law school? Three. Seven years. I've been thinking of doing it. I think I want to be a public defender. You ever do that? No. That's what I think I want to do, help people. That's what I'm going to do. See, I, I, I get what that scene's trying to do. Right, it's trying to mm -hmm. like break our hearts a little bit before it happens, but it's it's bad writing, not because you ha you want to give like I the beat like the story beat. All right, you want to add a little sympathetic twist to the knife before you go into this, but that character is not stupid. Well, they just said in the pre the pre, the preceding scene that he understands he's guaranteed a conviction. He's guaranteed a conviction and going to go to prison for life. That's the best case scenario. Like, this character isn't stupid. He's not compromised. He knows what he's facing. Why would he, why would you write that scene where he like, oh, I'm just going to let me out. Like, it, it's. Well, I mean, unless, can you, maybe, can you, I mean, I, I assume you could, from within prison, finish your degree and become, I don't know if you could pass the bar from prison, but I, I don't you, imagine. You, I, I believe sure that you can. you can. I believe yeah. that you can. But uh, I, it, I think we're set up as an audience to believe that this kid is now apparently so naive he thinks he's going to be out in like four years. Yeah, that's hard to determine. But regardless, regardless of what he thinks, it's this scene doesn't work the way I think they intend it to. No. The defendant's youth, his relatively short criminal history, and his family circumstances are mitigating factors that certainly support us pursuing a lesser sentence than death. But However, the reckless nature of the crime, the fact it furthered drug trafficking, its commission so close to a school, the enormous impact it had on the victim's family, these aggravating facts also support us filing death papers and seeking to execute him. Based on today's presentation, the committee has voted in this case 
to seek life without possibility of parole. Heinous as this crime was, we feel this criminal does not deserve to pay the ultimate price. That's Jimmy, baby. The community's yeah. work is done. We're adjourned. I mean, it's still life without the possibility of parole, but... God bless you. For your mercy. God bless each one of you. back at dinner sat in on so many of those committees from the other side but this time i just took off all my clothes and began to sing as loud as i could the same restaurant then i jumped up on the I filmed oh but 30 seconds after the last scene i'm sure uh, yeah, uh, no question well keith here's a shot after everything we've discussed ad nauseum during the mm -hmm. episode mm-hmm an opportunity to have Dylan say, or Bobby say, you know, I apologize for putting you in this in this situation. I, I guess I've been crying out, and I used you as sort of flirtation therapy. And I've been speaking with Lindsay, and and I I need to be working my ass off to make things better with her. So mm -hmm. uh, thanks, but no thanks. And I don't think I'm going to be calling you again. Here's that opportunity. Here we go. Yep. The table go. and began a tap dance naked. She's laying it on pretty thick, though. So how did you and Lindsay become so disconnected? You're such a profound listener. Sorry. I was a little... What were you thinking about? I never thought I'd ever have an affair. And here I am having one. We're having dinner, like you say, innocent. Whether I kiss you or sleep with you, that only changes the degree, Sarah. I'm having dinner with a woman I'm attracted to. Oh, Bobby, I've committed to the simple friendship theory. Why can't you? Oh, come on. You're here in the spirit of simple friendship. Why not? The truth is, I don't have that many friends anymore. I moved off to D.C. and now I'm back. Most of my friends have settled. They have Girl. families. I think I she could make new friends. I can call up and say, gee, I'm falling for this great guy, but he's married. You just did... You, they're just flipping their... They're Scary just flipping stuff like it. that. It's the same scene, they just flip the characters. Helps have somebody to talk to. Mike's face right now, guys. Mike's face right now. I mean, the eye rolls so hard. Now hurts. they're holding hands. Bobby pulls away. This is getting more dangerous than I wanted to. <laughs> I just want it to be a little dangerous. I think I should. The hand holding. The hand holding. When did this come in? Just now. Oh, the flippity doo dah. What happened? The attorney general rejected the committee's recommendation. Fly! Under orders of the office of the attorney general, it's coming, the United States Attorney's Office has filed a motion to seek the execution of your client, Troy Ezekiel. 
he can just overrule the committee? Here he is. Talking about our case? No, just the death penalty in general. The United States yeah, shots Congress fired, states. David Kelly. They speak the voice of the people of this country, and it's clear that America is so concerned about the safety and security of its citizens that certain crimes against the people of this country have been designated as death eligible by the Congress of the United States, signed into law by presidents. Let the eagle soar. Bobby's about to let his eagle soar. Listen, I, I, I wanted you to stop it. I wouldn't have had the discipline and the common sense in the end, so I'm glad. I agree, it's best we stop now before it does get too dangerous. She's still married too? I think she, they, she's divorced. Excuse me, where the hell's my car? It's coming. It's just really important that I get out of here. Ugh. We'll see each other in court. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You want ketchup and mustard, Keith? Uh, just are you just a mustard guy? She's gonna pop his hot dog. Full-on kissed, in case you're not. No, I mean that's how you and I greet Keith. It is. No, old but friends, you know. old friends. Why did she drive away in like a Mustang? That was her car. Was she driving, or was she had a driver? Oh yeah, Lindsay's fucking spying on him. Lindsay's <laughs> fucking watching. Oh well, what a feel-good app. Oh shit. <laughs> She's never soared before from, from Rocky Coast, Coast to Mountain Shore. Let the mighty eagle soar. Ladies and gentlemen, as Keith takes us out, I encourage you to join us back on the YouTubes, uh, where we will probably play that song six to eight more times. We'll be back oh, for the after least. show show. And we. Ah, ba 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 back, baby. Wow, guys, get ready. We we just watched Capital Crimes: The Practice, season seven, episode eighteen, and it is time for Mike to tell us what happened. Two, three. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. 
Well, I'll talk over myself. Uh, There's a capital punishment case. It shouldn't have been because it's a state case. Massachusetts doesn't have it, but Ashcroft was like, let that eagle soar, baby. So Bobby brings in his, like, new girlfriend to help with the case, but also to, like, not have an affair by having an affair, but maybe Mm -hmm. just a kissy-kissy affair. But Lindsay's stalking him, so I guess that she knows now. And also Ashcroft was like, I know the committee said he's not death penalty, but guess what? He's death penalty anyway, bitch. Yep. All right. Now, could you let that eagle soar in fewer syllables for us? Life's in the balance when the politics steps in. Bobby's hot dog popped. Yeah, yeah. Bobby's hot dog soared. Let the eagle soar. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begins every week with the soaring melody. Indeed, indeed. Um, listen, lots of uh, soaring lawyering today. Uh, so lawyering. So lawyering, uh, Eugene did great work heading the team, but I think it's Jimmy Berluti coming in at the end talking about how he changed. If I can change and you can change, we all can change, baby. Rocky four in it, if you will, as a verb. So I'm going to say Jimmy Berluti. Yub, sib, yub. Yeah, no, Jimmy, that there it is. No, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, Eugene did a great job throughout the whole thing but it really was jimmy who came in and closed the case with uh you know with a very cogent argument both from a uh, practical constitutional and a moral standpoint so uh congratulations jimmy berluti on your m v l coming up next folks we gotta give out and you know because he was on the television pr- playing himself, I believe, uh, John Ashcroft Let the eagle is eligible for the best guest. So here we go. Already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest Uh, but who are you flipping off, sir? Ashcroft, baby, you're not getting. Oh. You're not getting an oop. We're not giving you an oopsie. No, no, you're not getting an oopsie. 
But I'm going to yeah. play that video of you singing that stupid song on the outro. That's going to be our East, little Easter egg thing. You deserve wait, it. Wait, wait. Which song? Let the eagle soar. I wonder how many podcasts and shows like that has been like a recurring soar. segment on. Because Lord knows we're not the first or probably the hundred. I don't know. Uh, but it's going to continue. So... Uh, this is a no-brainer too. Great performance by once again. Let's highlight the the, <laughs> the kid's dad. Who was that again? That was Harold Surratt. Yes, uh, famed also for pointillism. Not uh, as famous as some other Surratts, but uh, also very talented. Yeah, acting, 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 acting. Yeah, he really, uh, he really uh, connected the dots in his performance. Very good. But I think that uh, he. We got a, a, a glimpse into some of his great acting on the CW's Smallville, and this as sort of his uh, flexing one of his early performances here. Uh, the the actor's name again, Sam Jones the Third. Sam Jones, who I think is the character in Smallville's name was Sam too, wasn't it? You're the you're the Superman expert. So long ago, I was so young. <laughs> Weren't we all? Anyway, uh, he was great. I thought that you know they wrote a pretty stock character here, pretty stock. Uh, capital S, but he imbued with quite a bit of humanity and, like I had mentioned, an arc. He did not have a long time to make an arc, a moral yeah. arc. And though, yeah. uh, <clears throat> specifically, his last scene was a little, you know. And, they, and I, I thought maybe you were wrong, Keith. Maybe he wasn't as naive as they tried to. They weren't trying to portray him as naive in that in that penultimate scene. Then, when they read life without possibility of parole they show his face almost with like a, a glint of surprise which shows me they're trying to double down on the naivete so yep. that he was let down by the direction but i thought his performance despite that was very strong very compassionate and very uh, emotionful so uh there's an oopsie for you buddy yeah no i i agree i and uh, for all the reasons that you said you know and especially because i i I'll talk about it in the next segment, but I feel like the direction of this was not strong. And I, I feel like First time the director, direction right? was, yeah, he was pushing the actors to push a little bit. And in the first couple of scenes, you could tell the direct the direction was like, shout it, be louder, be uh, scream it, shout it, shout it. And, and, and he was able to overcome that and pull it back for the later scenes and it's the same thing with what happened to rebecca it just like you know uh, you know pretend you're on a sitcom and it's like uh, that's not good direction uh but he did a great job i'd also like to throw a shout out to terry polo who is performing this really well despite the fact that we all have mixed feelings about the the character and the and the writing of it i think terry polo is doing a great job so uh congratulations to sam jones the third on your best guest actor. Oopsie. Coming up next, he's uh, about to face your Philadelphia football Eagles in the first round of the playoffs. No, 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 he's oh. not. No, no, not yet. You don't know. You don't know that uh, one of our cast members isn't going to be signed by the Bucks to uh, perform in a little segment we call. You killed your podiatrist. Wouldn't it be amazing? Oh, God, be awesome. Michael Badalucco plays left tackle for the Bucks. You're the best actor on the show. Well, some great performances here. Uh, I thought Badalucco and Steve Harris 
some great, great work this episode. You know, generally we say whose episode is, and I'm pretty sure this is a this is a, a Bobby episode, a Dylan McDermott. They really, you know, the, with all the complexity, and I'm sure Dylan has some strong feelings about what's happening with Bobby too. He's I'm doing sure. Newman's work. It's it's very complicated because my guess would be. I'm going to give it to Dylan. My guess would be that he's going home when he's working on the scripts or in his trailer, and he's having to fill in a lot of blanks. I'm not sure anyone is giving him a strong, this is where it's going, this is what we're trying to say, because it does not appear that they do or they know. And so in order to perform it, I don't think Dylan can live in a place of ambiguity. I think he's got to have a pretty firm understanding of what he's trying to play. And uh, it's not a pretty place to be, but he's there. He he clearly loves his wife and wants to do the right thing. And I think that it works because Dylan has Bobby the character is very Catholic and they've showed his <clears throat> moral beliefs. And I think he's conflicted with his temptations and all those things. And I see that struggle. I don't know where we're going with it from a story perspective, but I see Dylan, I see Bobby working through that struggle. And that's that's all the acting right now. I have to say because the the script is a little. Sh- back and forth, uneven, unbalanced, and the direction is schlocky at best, in this episode specifically, but I think Dylan's doing the work necessary to at least keep us along for the ride. For all those reasons, Dylan McDermott gets my Oopsie Award for Best Actor. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give it to him because I I don't like this story, but, but here's why I'm going to. I don't want to give it to him because I don't like this story. And that means, like, I... You feel something. I feel something. This makes me uncomfortable. I'm mad. I'm uh, annoyed at it. I'm also, you know, the feelings that this character is going through. Like, uh, you know, we I've never been in that situation specifically. But, like, it feels very sort of high school. And, like, and, and like those weird conflicted feelings. And, and it's... It's confusing. It's all over the place and it's unmoored and dangerous from an emotional standpoint that uh, I think that's that feels lived in. And I sort of see Dylan's processing the conflicting, shitty, selfish, self-destructive impulses that Bobby is having and and always had. So, you know, okay. Congratulations, Dylan. You get an Oopsie Award. Coming up next, uh, he won't be... Pl- yeah, I, get, I, I gave it away. It's this one. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. This week's winner for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Tom Brady having an emotional affair with someone other than Giselle. Tom Brady. Oh, you know... Uh, Interestingly, because last week was having coffee with a woman who was not named Giselle. <laughs> okay, hold on. Redo. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Tom Brady. Wait, I've got it. No, I've got it. I've got a better okay, one. Okay, all right, all right. This one's a little less about the episode. Tom Brady having his eyes pecked out by a soaring eagle. Double, ah. double. See, it's a double. Ooh, I like it. Wow, that's a... Uh, that's some first-class podcasting, sir. 
first class podcasting. All right, speaking of first class, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Oh, okay. The let's start at the top. The 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 death penalty case. Uh, I I I enjoy it. I enjoy what we're saying. I enjoy the setup, the payoffs, even the twisty twist of the payoff is like a direct fuck you to an actual person. It's using the medium of television to like actually have something to say. And guess what? Yeah. I'm here for it. You know, sure. the criticism I've had, we've had going almost this whole season is what are you trying to say? You've heard us say that a million times this episode. What are you trying to say? What are they trying to say? And here, when we talk about the death penalty, David E. Kelly knows exactly what he wants to say and who he wants to say it to. And yeah. he's using his bully pulpit, you know? And it's always, whether no matter what side of the fence you sit on with the, the issue, you know where we stand. I, it, I like when someone has a viewpoint. Whether you agree with it or not, I like when there's a viewpoint. And so that's very strong. The Bobby thing... I'm really trying to get on board. It makes me uncomfortable, which I think is the point. I like to consider myself knowing where we're going. I don't. Uh, I I have the privilege of knowing how much runways left, but they didn't at the time. So I'm trying to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Thank God they have such strong actors because some of the writing is less than strong. Now, my biggest gripe with the episode, and I think you're going to talk about it too, Keith, is the direction here is not good. It's It does not serve to fill in the blanks. It does not serve to highlight important things. It serves to sort of, I think he thinks he's trying to balance certain scenes with comedy or with underlining. Now, television and stage is very different. However, I'm going to use personal experience. I've had directors say, we have to, we have to, allow our audience to be smart. We have to give our audience credit. We have to let our audience figure some stuff out. I tend to like those directors. I've also had directors, specifically in comedies, say, you have to assume your audience is stupid. We have to spell it out for them. Louder. Faster. Funnier. I've had them both. I have my opinion as to which works better, but what I'm trying to point out here is that there are both kinds of directors. This is the type of director I believe on this episode. My assumption is they are the, of the school of the audience is a dum-dum and we have to hit them over the head with it. And mm -hmm. I feel like in in attempting that in a in a piece that is dealing with complex gray gray matter issues, gray area issues, that can be it, at at its best it can be clunky at its worst it can be clownish case in point the rebecca scene clownish i guarantee right. you if the a director had just said hey guys here's the script go with it that uh lisa gay hamilton would have given you something very different uh a little more nuanced maybe she would have tried something a little very Maybe she would have spoken fast and under and, and more subtle, but it would not have been what we saw on screen. So that was clearly a directorial. There's also the writing, but yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, my point is that it lets this episode down in a lot of ways. Um, the writing does too, you're right. I just, I can't, 
I'm trying to get on board. I'm trying to, like you did, I'm trying to to adjudicate what are my feelings on the Bobby storyline versus my, and they always do, they do Lindsay dirty. Like, why is Lindsay following him around? Like, maybe he's been staying home late. They don't give us any of that context, right? We don't. Oh, you know, but Rebecca gave it away pretty hard. She did. You're right. But Why would something really be up, Mike? Mike, there's nothing up. Uh, there's nothing up. Yeah, uh, but they didn't. No, 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 yes, no, no. but in that scene, if you watch, if you go back and watch that scene, and you watch Lindsay, she's clearly being. She clearly the act. Kelly Williams knows this scene is stupid, so I'm going to play it. She's doing the big eyebrows, and they're like, mm, "You're being funny, Rebecca." It's not like she was like, "Hmm, what's happening here?" Well, I don't I, know. I think I, I think the character played it cool, but anyway, go ahead. Yes. Oh, but you think and you think she took that and was like, "Oh, something's going on. I'm gonna have to." Well, how would you not? She got <laughs> know, slapped but, in the face. I know, but I'm saying like that. I just, I just dis. I guess I like, I threw out the high score and lowest score, and I just discounted that scene. <laughs> I don't know. It. Here's my point. Whether it's the writing, whether it's the direction, whether it's just my feelings, they all come together to, to to taint the episode a little bit in a very strong episode. They really wanted, they gave it equal weight. And and the thing that kind of sucked is that they injected the personal stuff into the A storyline, right? They made Bobby bring her in. They didn't let it be two separate things because sometimes when we rate these episodes, we say, well, this we didn't like the A story, but the B story really helped. They they really fused the two. And so it's hard to 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 isolate them. And like, is it done now? I guess, like, is that character done? Or is, I guess we'll find out. Anyway, it didn't ruin the episode, but it sure kept it from being in the upper echelon. I'm going to give it... See, I put it in the sixes, but I don't think it's that bad. I, I, I really liked what they did. Normally, I'd say the twisty twist at the end was too twisty twisty, but I liked that it was a shot at Ashcroft directly. So I'm going to let it bump into the sevens. I'm going okay, to say 719. 7.19 spare tires. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I inconsistent is the word I would use here. Um, let me start with the stuff that I liked. I liked uh, everything you liked about it in terms of the message of this episode. I like that David has just stopped pulling punches with the sort of... It, it, political isn't the right word, but like direct about like, so I have a point to make about the death penalty and how it's being abused. I'm not going to like couch it in a both sides thing. No, it's like, it's not both sides. It's that side is doing this and mm -hmm. fuck you, John Ashcroft. I like that. I think, I think that's what that deserves. I think that felt right. I liked it. I also like it in context because going after Ashcroft and the Bush administration was very controversial at that point. We were in the beginning of the war. Bush had like a 70% approval rating or something ridiculous. So uh, I like that. I think that's bold. I think it's brave. I think it's right. It, it looks good in, in the eyes of history. So I really, really like that. Um, the... Uh, the sloppiness of that it's such a good idea and had such good moments but it was also really sloppy i mean this the the character not understanding that he's going to go to prison for life that's sloppy and and it just it, you don't need it you don't need it you've already landed the punch 
mm-hmm. right? You, you don't need it. Um, okay, so let's get to the Bobby thing because that's what we're all here to talk about, really. Um, I get and I appreciate and I value the more contemporary idea that your heroes don't necessarily need to be heroic and certainly don't need to be heroic all the time. Um, so I get it. I get that, um, Bobby doesn't need to be the like eighties drama lead sort of perfect figure here. Um, but this episode continues my eternal question about Bobby seven seasons in why do we like this guy why are we rooting for him what what are we supposed to like about this um what what are his redeeming values what is the per like other than being really hot and sometimes good at lawyering what's why do we like bobby i don't know why i i honestly genuinely don't know why we like this guy at this point um you know, and from the from the standpoint of of the writing of these scenes, um, as you were talking, it, it's it's taken a while for it to sink in, and perhaps this is my own internal uh, privilege and and just going with the system. I think there is something misogynistic about the writing of Terry Polo's character, and and it's and it's this her 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 self-awareness and her her calling bobby out especially last episode we loved so much it's a strong character it's a character who knows what's going on she's calling bullshit she's making it clear that um he's not fooling her nobody's you know like she she gets what's going on she's she's strong she's you know reading the subtext and we're both like i love this i'm responding to this this feels like a strong female character. I like the fact that she's not letting him off the hook. But now at the end of this episode, what did we what did we really learn there? Right? The woman says, "No, no, no." But at the end of the day, now she really wants it. And Okay, hold on. Just devil's advocate. Devil's yeah. advocate. I you could also view it as just like you, there's no shame in the sex trade, right? Like sure. they, that's their job. They own. It. She's owning it. Well, they kind of make it. They kind of like have her demure out at the very, very end. But she's like, "Look, this is my intentions. My intentions are here's this guy to sleep with. I, I'm just saying that you you're either on board or you're not. But like I'm into this. Let's do this thing. I have no shame about it. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm here for it. There's an empowering bit to that. Except that's, her that's not. But yes, I agree with you. Had they written that. Then sure, you know. But look, that you're second making your, scene, that second you're, you're, you're dinner, you're making your own decision. The second dinner, like the, the last thing we bit. saw was her like, "Hurry up with the keys! I have to go right now because I can't stop my oh my wobbly knees." Mm-hmm. Which is it, it not just, the it does you it describe. does it does enforce that the writing of that character was not in service of the character that all that bluster in the beginning, not bluster that bravado that she had or confidence was not written in service of her character, it was written to be a foil for Bobby or really a, a and, lore. And and like, so this, so at the end of the day, af- after the trappings of the more aware, the stronger female character, she basically just collapsed into the exact stereotype 
that has been written since time went on because like Bobby looks at her with the dreamy eyes and secretly that's what she wants. She can barely contain. She can't even like hold herself back for 10 seconds, even though she is a fully formed adult and like, well, you wouldn't you say they double down on the misogyny that little bit in the writing too, whereas they have, now Lindsay's in the car and the dark shadow and she's the right and right lover. and now she's this conniving like you know distrustful whatever it's 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 not good it's not good and and on on second viewing it's worse hmm. it doesn't look better the second time i watch it or the third time 20 years later what whatever it is it's like oh yeah no that's that is not a that 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 is written by men and that's it's not like a the reverse character. moonlighting right it's like moonlighting what made that relationship work was it's the will they won't they all the way maybe till the very end whereas here they got them together after season two and now they're like they're just dicking around with the breaking of them up like can't wait it's, the maturity of the of the relationship or of the of the relationship yeah is being undercut by the ridiculousness which which is breaking up like couldn't we have just well, explored two people breaking up right well and they you know and and even though they they fainted like she wasn't like the temptress they she ended up being exactly that and and it was it, it was sort of false progressivism whatever it was and yeah, and, and again, like well, I don't have Bobby a problem. Lindsay too. Like, can't we just show two people growing apart? Like you said, it's realistic. It's it's contemporary, but now we've just made it. It's uh, just pulpy. Pulpy now. It's yeah. cheesy and bad, and and I and I think misogynistic. I, I really do. I, I think it's just like it. It's just a badly written female character by men, and uh, it just. I don't mind telling a story. So the marriage breaks up. I don't mind that story. Bobby has an affair. I don't mind that story. I don't, I don't, it's not what I, I don't want it, but I don't, I get it. You know, I'm like, afraid I, of what they're going to have Lindsay do. There's a way to tell do. that right. I'm afraid of the fallout for Lindsay. Like, cause it's the way they write that character. I just feel like it's going to, it's going to, it's not going to serve Lindsay. <laughs> no. So if I were going to, if, if I were going to do, write this on the death penalty case alone, sloppiness included, Right. I'd give it like an 8.75. If I were going to do this Bobby Affair thing alone, I'd give it like a four. So I'm going to give it a 6.3 reluctantly because I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to write any of this stuff. Uh, All right. Well, there, there you have it. We have now discussed this case at nauseum. Mike, uh, I think instead of explaining what it, because we all know what that means, Mike, why don't you sing with our buddy John and take us out? Let the eagles like she's never. You can contact us by writing at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can always hit us on Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. Would you like to write us your lyrics to this song? You can do so as joining the journey and leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget our wonderful sponsors, Jorge Navarro, Cloud Lover 69. 
Leanne, Leanne Rice, Massanova, and Carrie Coon. If you would like to join them, Mike will put notes in the show notes how you can donate to our little show. Now, if you would like this song to stop, you should take out your device and hit it. Take out your laser and hit your device with some laser sounds. Laser sounds. From Rocky Coast to Golden Shore. Oh!